This episode of Tales of the Voidfair is brought to you by all the awesome patrons over at the Project Derailed Patreon. If you are a fan of this show and all the other podcasts we create here at Project Derailed, you could join this legion of elite champions yourself over at patreon.com slash projectderailed. A single $5 subscription tier gets you access to patron-exclusive channels on our Discord, extended Q&A episodes, and a whole extra podcast called Derailed Off the Rails. Thank you everyone for your support. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. Marco, Kazath, they have a Spelljammer helm. Meet us there with the rest of your party. Val, we need to pick up as soon as you can the base of the Grand Quadrivium. It's like four giant spires. Our lives are in danger here. You see the massive giant longship. I can get eight of us plus me up there. Marco and I can jump and distract them. Then you see a snowy owlbear attack Bralmira from behind. Oh, it's Agnes! <laughs> Hi, Agnes! The last remaining bandit is going to throw down his weapon. I think we should finish this. So this is the uh, official debut episode of a new producer of the show. Oh. What? <laughs> no one's going to pick up what I'm laying down? All right. Uh, I get your joke. <laughs> I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I was waiting for Fiona to jump in and elaborate, but all right. Uh, I was waiting for you to continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Well, it's not. Fine. If we don't want to talk about Dora, we don't have to talk about All Dora. Right. Do you want to play Dungeons and we Dragons? <laughs> no, we can talk about the cat. We have a new kitty here. Um, are we starting sad boy hours? Unfortunately, our cat Mia, who you can probably hear on other episodes, passed away. But there is a new kitty in town. And she has already knocked the microphone over once. <laughs> so we're off to a good start. <laughs> nice. She's very upset that you are not paying attention to her. You know, she is. She's really put out that I'm not sitting and playing with her, but she's entertaining herself for the moment, at least. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> but yeah, and man, it feels like forever since we recorded last. It's been it's a been while. A, it's been a busy summer. It's been a while. Okay. Is that the truth? We're actually finally on the tail end of this chapter. Incredible. <gasps> this chapter has it's been going for a year a now? A year. A Jesus. year. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's incredible. Yeah, because the um, like the interlude episode between chapters was the one we recorded at Con on the Cob, which is coming up like three weeks from now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. wild. I told Val we'd be quick. <laughs> So I guess that's a plug for Con on the Cob. Uh, we're not doing another live show this year, but we are going to be there hanging out and uh, throwing our usual party on Saturday with some nerdcore nerds. 
With Dora? Is that what are we? What, Dora. Dora. Yeah, yeah, Dora's coming. You can meet Dora. Yeah. <laughs> I assume every time you pause for a name, that's yeah. what you want now. Okay. <laughs> Anytime I expect any of you to just pick up the slack here, <laughs> you just leave me high and dry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Saker and Cliff will be there performing yeah. 2D6 doing their set at our party. It's a good time. So, yeah, if you are in the greater Cleveland area or within a reasonable driving distance or not reasonable, if you're so inclined, I guess. Yeah, be irrational. Yeah. <laughs> Take a flight <laughs> from Alaska. We don't give a shit. Do it. Yeah. It's going to be great. Nick will personally reimburse you. <laughs> in gratitude. <laughs> anyway. Do we want to actually start this episode? Because I believe a fight is brewing. Let's do. Yes. All righty then. Tingle with excitement. (laughs) So last we left our heroes. You guys just got done boarding this grounded frost giant longship that is currently being used as a fortress of sorts by Kazath and his group of survivors on this icy planet while they try to install a helm so they can use this vessel to escape. Kazath, of course, being a dangerous and very unstable former crewmate of Ravnus. And if he were to escape, it would run risk of putting you in the ire of Ravnus's former captain, Yastrara the Remorseless. So as you dispatched the guards manning these icy magic ballistas upon the deck of the ship and running into the Duragar Soul Blade Braumira, you managed to defeat them with the help of your owlbear friend Agnes. And from there, you guys head down the stairs that is uh, beneath this canvas overhang that spans the like central area of the ship. The stairs are large. You almost have to hop down each step uh, because they are sized for giants. Oh, how do I do it? <laughs> you, you basically have to like... <laughs> ouch, you bas- ouch. Just falling down each step. <laughs> yeah, you have to like sit on the edge of the steps with your feet hanging over and like scoot off. So you only drop like, you know, three feet instead of five. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's an ordeal. This ship was not designed for sure. non-giants in mind. Okay. And that being said, uh, the length of the staircase takes you almost uh, from the middle of the ship, almost all the way to the bow. So like when you get there, the walls of the ship kind of come together and you see that cargo is piled up here huge crates that have a bit of frost on them that appear to have uh, hides and uh, supplies of various kinds from perhaps uh, frozen food rations that the giants were using or tools or weapons and that sort of thing. All giant sized, all kind of packed as tightly as it can in the bow of the ship. Turning around though, the stairs come down the middle of the ship so you can go to either side around and it is like still a wide walkway to either side of the stairs because the ship is giant sized 60 feet wide at its widest and you see an enormous chamber if you didn't know you were in the lower deck of a ship it would look like you're in a giant like dwarven ale hall because it appears the entire lower deck of the ship is not separated into rooms Mm. what catches your attention first is located just behind the stairs in the center of the room is a 
gargantuan blue centipede-like creature with orange spikes that run all the way down its back. And it has like a frill to either side of its head that almost looks like fins or like wings. (gasps) And it is chained in this spot with tight chains that go down to mechanisms in the floor. And you see twisting mechanisms above that looks like a large like piping that kind of crisscross its way in an array um, real low, like almost like along its back with like a chute that's near the ceiling, which is itself like 20, 25 feet high. Again, a ship made for giants. You see that the mechanisms from this machinery above this creature kind of run in like cams and pistons across the ceiling to machinery along the walls that run almost the whole length of the ship. And you can kind of make out what looks like oars that are mechanical and folded in on itself, each one sitting in front of a big heavy wooden door that itself has like a mechanical attachments like hinges and locks and an opening mechanism. Um, that it appears that something with this creature seems to power an extendable set of oars that go out either side of the ship. Beyond this creature, again, this ship is like 300 feet long, you see uh, more cargo packed way down the other end of the ship, which tapers again together like the, like the bow. And you see that a bunch of that has been cleared out in the middle. And you can see Kazath across this distance, standing beyond a control panel that seems to control the mechanisms that is attached to this giant centipede creature. He seems to be setting up what looks like a helm, a spell jamming helm, uh, made out of twisted black cast iron with this wicked ornamentation to it. And uh, the high back of the chair kind of splays out into bars that encircle this like gibbet like cage that is like built into the high back of the chair. Kazath is down on one knee seeming to be doing something along the base of the chair, but there is a figure in that cage. It is Heron. There are also about a dozen other survivors standing in kind of a semicircle around Kazath and this helm. So they they are or are not in the cage. Heron is in the the small like gibbet like cage attached to this helm. Gotcha, gotcha. And then you have the giant centipede that's chained in its spot. Gotcha. Sorry, when you say gibbet, the only thing I know are the things that go in Crocs. What is a gibbet? It is it is like a human sized bird cage. Oh, okay. That is basically used for punishment. Okay, okay. You know, criminals would get strung up alive inside gotcha. these cages for like okay. public ridicule until they're dead and like and let, let the crows feed off of them Got and that it. sort of thing. And part of that punishment was wearing uh, sh- footwear that was very embarrassing for them. Wearing Crocs, yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Crocs. We don't know why, but we're not going to say nice things about them. <laughs> they specifically told us not to. I did not know what either definition of that word that that's the word for that thing. So mm-hmm. I learned. I did two have things. to look up how it's pronounced because it's spelled with a G, mm. but I did confirm it is pronounced like a J. <laughs> okay. This is not a GIF situation. <laughs> oh geez. Geez. The little amount of linguistics I know is that J is a very weird letter. It is. Uh, <laughs> even though this word is spelled with a G. For instance, in a, um, th- there is no J in Italian. It's so C. C is another weird one. Yeah. You know, the English language is weird. Let's leave it at that. Hmm. Language in general is weird. <laughs> do, do these, uh, I'm getting us back on track. I don't know why Thank I you. have to be the one to do this. This is not my MO. 
Uh, but like, can, do they see us? Do they know that we're here? So you are still a good distance away. The ship is large. Right. Um, and you do, yeah, I'm, I'm going to reiterate how large it is because <laughs> yeah. I was forgetting in my head when I was describing the ship in past episodes. Okay. Um, they don't seem to be reacting yet, but the dozen or so survivors that are basically set up as guards are facing your direction. Okay. Kazath seems preoccupied with what he's doing. Well, I, is it re- like, are they looking at us? Is it reasonable that they see us or, or have we escaped? If they're looking our direction, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're not concealed by anything um, okay. except this giant centipede creature, but like it's large, but it's like, you know, probably 15 feet wide okay. and there's, you know, 15, at least 15, 20 feet of space to either side of it. Sure. So, uh, but it stands to reason that if they're paying attention, they see you. You're not hidden. I turn to Merrick and quietly say, you couldn't tell us that this is what was down here? (laughs) I don't know what this thing is called. There are people. (laughs) Merrick. (laughs) You, You can't see Merrick, but he goes, Oh, I. you know what? I saw the monster and I didn't look any further. <laughs> Do you blame me? Look at this thing. Um, and the monster is awake. Uh, it is seemed to be the chains on it are so tight that it can't really move, but it is facing you and its pincers are kind of clicking. And as it kind of opens its mandibles, you see that the interior of it, it looks like a furnace. Like you're looking down the throat of the Balrog. Ooh, weird. And as you, even standing a distance away, you can feel the warmth coming off of this creature. Can I please make a uh, nature check or like uh, arcana check to figure out what this thing is? Yeah, go ahead. Okie dokie. Looking at my sheet, does it matter? Because this is going to matter if it's like nature or arcana. Um, Nature is probably the, the one that makes sense. Okay, cool. Okay, so that's a 15. Yeah, you're pretty sure this is a Remoraz gargantuan centipede-like creatures that are native to cold environments. But what's a little bit, I guess, counterintuitive about the creature is that it thrives in these environments because it generates its own heat. Mm. And uh, with that, you would know that it is completely immune to both cold and fire. And it devours its prey just by grabbing them and swallowing them whole and letting them basically cook inside of it. I'm feeling like personally attacked right now with this creature alone. Most of my attacks are fire and ice. Um, <laughs> do, ma- do, 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 oh. uh, So um, looking at this, I'm going to say, all right, so um, I wasn't, you know, really paying much attention during these classes, but I'm fairly certain that's a Rimuraz. Um Cold and fire is not going to work on it. And... Needless to say, we're going to have quite a time if that thing has the ability to get a hold of us. What they they have it chained up here. I mean, if we just let it go and I don't know, turn it towards them, we can't take out all these people on our own. But that thing could probably make a dent. Not a terrible decision, actually. But I mean, I think the only thing I'd worry about is that is a unknown variable. We're just going to let loose and hope the gamble pays off. You hear Roxana's voice come from somewhere above you because she's so tall, but she is invisible. You can't see her. It is probably likely that um, such a creature would attack whatever is nearest. It could work in our favor so long as that is not us. Okay. Well, there's two of us that are invisible. So if the rest of us just go upstairs, uh, Merrick, maybe you too. Um, And then Roxana, you just unleash it. I mean, it's going to go towards them, right? It 
it looks like the only way to release it is the controls that are up there near Kazath. Okay. Unless we spent a lot of time and made a lot of noise right here next to the creature, in which case we would be right next to the creature when it is released. Um, well? Uh, would I know that, because I know what this is, would I know how it hunts? Uh, yeah, with your 15, it's a burrower. Yeah, okay, so, well, it, this thing attacks its prey by burrowing underground, which means it senses vibrations. So if Roxana, with her size, marches over there, odds are it will still detect Roxana's presence. It'd probably need to be somebody smaller, more lightweight. Oh, Merrick's not good at stuff like this. He's, I'm not saying you're bad at it, bud. I just, you know, I don't want you to get hurt. Perhaps the better tactic might be let the creature remain chained and perhaps... Myself, Brohain, Striv, the Githzerai, and Merrick focus on the guards, and the rest of you focus on Kazath himself. Sure. I think that's probably our best shot. Yes, let me take the NPCs out of the <laughs> 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 Um. So, uh, Marco, go ahead and make another Arcana check for me. You got it. Okay, so that is a 14. Okay. Um. It's over a long distance and you can't quite make out details, uh, but something about this particular helm that Kazath is installing on this ship doesn't sit right with you. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a normal helm and there's something about it that seems familiar that you may have read about, especially the fact that a living creature seems to be trapped within the helm itself you think it might be a life jammer helm. Life A helm that's not powered by magic the way normal spell jamming helms are. A helm that is powered by the literal life force of a captive creature. And Heron is currently in it. Alright, so um listen, um I think I can see what's going on here. I'm can't get a good look at it, but I'm fairly certain that this helm requires a captive prisoner to use their life force as a means of propelling the ship. Uh, I have a feeling that our good friend Heron here is about to become a um, horrific casualty of such a barbaric type of device. I think we might be uh, running out of time here. Then let's go. Real quick, I'm going to grab um, Ravnus and say, hold on a second. Um, and I'm going to cast Foresight on her. A... Ravnus sees the Matrix once again. <laughs> Hell yeah. Brass Disc Spellbook Archive starts to illuminate in my hands and suddenly you can see everything again. <laughs> your pupils dilate to the point where your irises are almost like not visible. They're just <laughs> tiny little rings. <laughs> <laughs> and for the sake of things, I'll just drop it into the chat here so you can look it up yourself and use it Thank accordingly. You. Just for our audience, for the duration, target can't be surprised, has advantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. Additionally, other creatures have disadvantage on attack rolls against the target for the duration. The duration is eight hours. Wow. And the duration is eight hours. Marco <laughs> could have done this seven hours ago. <laughs> all righty then. Do you guys make your approach? Yeah. Ravenous with all 18 hit points. Um, cause 
down, weapon in hand. As you begin kind of moving past the creature, it does like kind of twitch, like its eyes looking, darting around, um, seeing the ones that are visible. And it, it kind of like lets out another shriek that you recognize. You heard this thing's shriek when you were above. And with that, you actually see Kazath kind of stand and look and his voice echoes through this large, vacant hold. I was wondering how long it would take you to show up. I'm not going to let you get away again. Then it appears, Rezikis, that this is the confrontation that I've looked forward to for so long. Um, you guys are still like 50 feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll pull out his axe and take a step forward and hit a lever. And you hear the rattling of chains. And uh, the creature is not released, but its chains suddenly get way more slack. And it lets out a roar, and I need everybody to roll for initiative. There it is. Oh, boy. I thought he might do an honorable duel. (laughs) (laughs) An honorable duel only benefits you guys. (laughs) He's not going to suggest that. I wouldn't have gotten involved then. I just would have watched. Would have been fun. (laughs) Ravenous almost killed him one time. Well, I mean, now we just need to finish the job. It'd be Mm. even better if his pet eats him. The Void Fairy is going to come back and pick up three coffins. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be ceremonial because our bodies are going to be in the thing. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Hell of a finale to this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ravnus, you do notice that Kazat does seem healed up since the last time you fought. Of course he does. <laughs> and he does appear to be wearing different armor and have other various magical equipments mm, about him. Okay. Why'd you do that? I gotta make it difficult. It's gotta be a challenge. This is the climax of the chapter. Nick, we all have four hit points. God damn it. Well, whose fault is that? It's ours. No. Yeah, you're the DM. Wait a fucking second. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies at full. Didn't even get higher than a 20. (laughs) No? Okay, 15 to 20? Oh, yes, oh, 16. Okay. He's going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> Tanner just wanted to make us wait. <laughs> just had happy thoughts. It was great. 10 to 15. Uh, Squeedy got a 12. Okay. 5 to 10. Keep going. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you guys get? I got a four. Five. I just got a five. Four for me. The wizard is not the one who's supposed to win <laughs> initiative. Stop that. <laughs> We got to keep it exciting for the finale. Yeah, you do. Good Lord. I can't wait for Flapwing to die and then I get to take over Squeedy. That's going to rule. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff's gift to us is that all three of us are going to be controlling oh, Squeedy nice. after, after we all die. Cliff doesn't get to be a cast member, but we are going to use yeah, that. Well, we are going to take his character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope you like his 73 hit points. I do. You know what, buddy? <laughs> Can Squeedy like get on that like magical thing? <laughs> the magical that group we text have? we all have together. You gotta send him a friend uh, request. Oh uh, yeah. Magical WhatsApp. Yeah. Uh-huh. Alright, well Marco, you're first. This is exceptionally bizarre. I'm actually looking in the room, all of you, really. <laughs> hmm. Trying to think here on what I can do. Well, I mean, I could do a lot of things. Hmm. Okay, um, may I make a check to see if I can see from the mechanism how quickly this thing's going to get out? Uh, yeah, make a, you can do perception or investigation for that. Okay, I think an investigation makes sense to me. 
Okay, that's a 12. Yeah, you see that it appears to be a large winch mechanism that's like built into like the control panel. Um, The chains go through the floor and you see that there is a giant crank, giant, literally like giants crank it <laughs> to tension the chain. Kazath is just undoing the lock mm. that keeps it from spooling out. And uh, it doesn't look like he, he can hold it open. So he pulled it back and it let the Remoraz get 10 feet more loose. He'll have to actually manually loosen the chain several more times, you know, with it being like about 10 feet each time. Okay. Um, okay, so, and giving HP to our buddies is a action. action. Okay, then my action is going to be, I'm going to take uh, 20 of my HP and give it to Ravnus, and then I'm going to try to, like, back away as much as I can from the concept of combat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you are a little bit of a rock between a hard place because you have the Remoraz behind you, and you have Kazath and all the baddies in front of you. Okay, yeah, I'll get behind... Um, I'll, I'll get behind Ravnus at least. <laughs> so I kind of imagine you're in the, the middle of the, the throng of your group here. Um, wizard in the middle, so he can cast some light um, or transfer hit points, as it were. Um, it's the Remoraz's turn. Uh, the Remoraz is immediately going to pull against its chains, moving 10 feet closer to you guys, which puts it... Um, it's still... Oh no, it's it's uh, its range of attack is 10 feet. So it puts it just in range of the back of your group, um, which is probably gonna be an NPC. Let me see. Eat Merrick, eat Merrick. <laughs> eat Merrick. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, it is gonna be Roxana and it's going to lash out and bite her. That's going to be a 21 to hit for 40 piercing damage and 10 fire damage. And she has to make a grapple um, and she does succeed. So she is not restrained, but she takes a hell of a hit that knocks her like more than halfway dead. Um, She swears loudly and moves to move away from this thing. Yeah, this thing isn't fucking around. Clearly. Yeah. Um, Okay, Uh, that's its turn. Squetty, it's your turn. All right, so I'm gonna move up 10 feet. Okay. Pull out my laser pistol and fire off a couple shots at him. Okay. First shot is a 26. Jesus, fuck. Uh, That's just for the attack roll. Okay. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It hits. (laughs) So that's 10 radiant damage to him. Okay. And then for my second shot, that is a 23. That also hits. Shout out to Max for making such great (laughs) dice. Hey. <laughs> hey. Rolling them beans. Check out Resident Dice on Instagram. Uh, the second shot is 16. 16 damage. Um, so total of 26, correct? The first one was 10? Yes. I got it. Yes, yes. Yeah, so with each of these shots, you guys see, like, it's not a beam of light that travels. It's not like a magic missile. It's literally like this infinitely long beam just appears between this gun and Kazath, traveling straight through him and out the other side. And that just zaps twice as it just blinks into existence and then vanishes and then happens again. And he kind of recoils backwards and looks up and growls. Hey, get the fuck out of here, buddy. This ain't your ship. This is my goddamn ship. 
fucking Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to glower at you and say, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Oh, you don't know who the fuck I am? I'll tell you who the fuck I am, you fucking nobody loser. Oh, boy. My name is Squeedy. I'm the son of the Terror Toral, the Shelled Sailor of the Stars, the Hardback Herald of the Heists, Captain Ironsides Warrit. I still don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy who just shot your ass up. What the fuck you gonna do? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I love it. I love that these two characters are in two different genres. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy versus New Yorker. Yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Kazath is going to pull the lever again to loosen the chains once more. You see this creature behind you that has just taken a huge bite out of Roxana straining against its chains. You see the chains go slack again meaning it can now advance on its turn. All right, all of your buddies, uh, Roxana, Merrick, Scriv, Brohane, uh, who are all invisible, Ezerath and Rinzar are all going to charge forward um, with the intent to engage the dozen guards. And they can all get there, but I think the only ones that can attack are Rinzar and Ezerath because they uh, have dope monk shit. Nice. And yeah, they get some licks in really before these guards can even really react. And these guards, again, they're wearing like makeshift salvaged warm clothing, but are equipped with kind of mismatched various magical items. It is now Ravnus's turn. Okay. Um, Ravnus is going to get as close as she can to Kazath. Sure. Kazath is standing uh, 50 feet away from you. Okay. He didn't move at all. Closer to her. No, he's standing at the terminal that's controlling the mechanism. Rocha. All right. So um, she is going to, she's going to double move. Um, and I guess that her turn will be like um, double moving and uh, swinging back her sword, uh, getting ready <laughs> to hit in the fiction on the uh, in the next six seconds. Yeah. But uh, that's all she does. I kind of imagine you've you've run for straight forward and kind of like leapt to like put your foot on the console to like kind of mid jump come oh, down on him. Next you know, time. you know, I always forget I have that that leap that can <laughs> get me really far. I yeah, I do. Yeah, you could totally do it. All right, so um, so she's going to go um, thirty feet, and then I mean, even without you know. Mm -hmm. Even without rolling, my long jump would more than get me there. Yeah. It would be 29 feet, and then that last foot is what you spend yeah. to do the jump. So, yeah. yeah. No, you could do it, um, uh, so long as you have the uh, the psionic talent die. Um, uh, yes, I do. D uh, I just read it, and I forget. You have to roll it, or is it... You roll so, your psionic talent die, because it does have the, um, the chance of rolling max and then going down a size. Okay, so I'll roll it, but I can get there no matter what I roll. Got it. Um, sorry, I'm trying to roll dice in front of the cat. Um. <laughs> Ooh, small shiny things that are moving. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I rolled a one, um, okay. but that still gets me more than I need. Got it. Yeah, you start running with your sword out, and uh, you plant your feet and leap. Um, it sends you sailing the remainder 20 feet over the top of the console and directly into Kazath. Uh, and you can go ahead and make your attacks. Okay. 
You see Kazath's eyes grow wide as he was not expecting <laughs> <laughs> this feat to come from you. This is Jedi shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's what anyone... the Sinite is. It's literally Jedi shit. Oh, really? Yeah, in my mind, mm-hmm. it's like, as she's like coming down from the leap, she's like swinging the sword around. You know that part in like Thor Ragnarok? That's what I'm sort of imagining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like purple psionic energy. Uh, that's a 19 to hit. That misses. Ooh. Whoa. What? Goodness. You see that uh, the armor he is wearing seems magical, but as your sword comes down, it looks like it's going to hit, and there's a small flash of light from a ring he's wearing, and the blade is deflected. Wait, hold on. I have advantage, so let me see. (laughs) Oh, that's worse. Okay, so that was my first attack did not hit. Yes. My second attack... Oh, mother. Oh, no, that is good. Uh, 17 and 9 is 26. If you say that, that doesn't hit, I'm going no, to that, that go to your it. house and do that. Okay. <laughs> she knows where you live. That's true. <laughs> okay. Um, so that is 2 and 7 is 9, plus an additional 2 of psionic. Got it. Uh... Does that do as much damage as I thought it would? Yes. It oh, does. actually, let me roll the advantage just to see if I would crit, and I don't. Yeah, it does do all the damage that you were expecting. Okay. Okay. Flapwing. Um, so I'm going to take a real wild called shot. I am going to aim, uh, but I'm aiming at the lever contraption uh, that Kazath is pulling. Uh, and I want to try to basically like, like dent the chain or jam it. In, do you know what I mean? Like jam it so he the, can't do that again. Yes, damage the gears or something. Got it. Yeah. Um. Do you have a like a trick shot you can do that that might fit that? I don't know when I get more trick shots, but I, I guess I could call it disarming shot. I'm disarming him of the lever. Yeah, I would. I I could go for that. I mean, so long as you have the grit to spend to do it. Um. Nope. Sure don't. Have you been, because uh, you get grip back on natural 20s. Uh, yeah, and... that would require me to roll a natural 20. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if you did. I mean, I could just roll a die a bunch right now. Would that help? <laughs> just scatter shot. I literally not, not just actually fucking, roll for it. I rolled one die and got a 20. I hate myself. Okay. You really did? I truly fucking did. You God know what? damn it. No. Fuck it. Have a grip point. <laughs> Because okay. that was fucking amazing. I, I will take a picture if you want. Jesus Christ. No, I believe well. you. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Well, then I'm using disarming shot. <laughs> okay, easy peasy. Why am, I, why am I unmarking the box to mark the box? Okay, there we go. Uh, okay. Um, so I need to make uh, a... Uh, so yeah, I do a normal firearm attack against the creature and... Uh, on a hit, they suffer normal damage and then uh, must succeed on a strength saving throw. So uh, I am going to try to shoot. Okay. Here we go. Well, that's an 11. <laughs> no okay. way that hits. But I was aiming. That's true. Yes. So advantage, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hey, 22? Yeah, you oh, hit it. Oh, thank God. Okay. Uh, so he takes damage as normal, which is going to be uh, 8 uh, and then he must succeed on a strength saving throw, which is eight plus nine plus uh, to the 12. Strength saving throw of 12. Okay. Um, 
he does succeed. Okay. All right. So I shoot his hand. So um, I'm trying to think. I'll tell you what, because we're kind of like hacking the use of this ability anyway. Mm -hmm. If you would like to, instead of dealing damage to him, you can succeed in actually doing what you want to do with the mechanism of the machine. Oh, yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah, okay. let's do that. Yeah. That makes sense, because you're not actually trying to shoot something out of his hand, but uh, you're trying to, like, damage yeah. uh, an object. I was so, going to say, um, if I succeeded, it would have been pushed 10 feet from him, which does not make sense at all. So, <laughs> yeah, correct. this makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it wasn't actually a disarming shot, but it was, like, a customized trick shot. Sure. That still used your grip point. Okay. But yeah, no, you succeed. Your bullet rockets towards it, and Kazath, who just recoiled against Ravnus's blows, his eye twitches over past Ravnus's shoulder, and he kind of like flinches at the gunshot. And then there's a spark and the sound of a ricocheting bullet as the bullet collides with the mechanism, and it actually bends the handle Ooh. in such a way that it jams it into the big gear of the chain winch so that it cannot be pulled. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then I see the, the force ghost of Locke, who's like nodding, <laughs> nodding sagely. Yeah, he nods sagely, exactly. Yeah. No shot, kid. <laughs> almost like I heard him. <laughs> not that he just knows astral projection. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right, so the guards are going to start attacking your allies. All the people who are invisible are still invisible because they didn't get close enough to actually attack. They had to double move to get there. So these guys are mostly going to focus on Ezerath and Rinzar, but they're rolling like garbage. Um, so yeah, you, you guys are still like a distance away. So you see like Ezerath and Rinzar begin fighting, but they're doing dope monk shit and you're not really seeing them get hit much. All right, Marco, back to you. Okay. Hmm. How's this Rimaraz looking? Is it looking like it's about to do us some damage? Um, it's looking like it's going to move to like catch back up with you guys. Oh, Flapwing, did you move? Uh, no, I didn't, but I would have. Yeah. So yeah, I move away from the fucking chomping thing that's right behind me. You do see that it's imminently going to move ten yeah. feet closer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for allowing that. And you guys now know, since it attacked Roxana, that its reach is ten feet. So you'll basically want to try to make sure you're staying 20 feet away from it if it has slack. Um, how are my invisible boys looking? You don't know. No <laughs> <laughs> <The whole> idea. <laughs> don't be a smart ass. Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your Dungeon Master and Steampunk Automaton with an Identity Crisis. That might be a hint to another derailed project. Thanks for listening to this penultimate episode of Chapter 6 of Tales of the Voidfarer. If you are enjoying Tales of the Voidfarer and all the other content we create here at Project Derailed, we'd be incredibly appreciative if you considered supporting us over on Patreon. Now with a new single $5 subscription tier, get access to patron-exclusive Discord channels, extended Q&A episodes, and a whole extra podcast where the Derailed team just hangs out and shoots the shit. And we know not everyone is able to pitch in, but you can always support the show at no cost to you by leaving a review on iTunes or simply spreading the word on social media. And as always, just thanks for listening. Visit patreon.com slash project derailed if you'd like to subscribe. You should give us a follow on our social media if you haven't already, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter.
We're returning to Con on the Cob, our favorite quirky little nerd and gaming con here in the Cleveland area. No live shows this year, but most of us will be around the con playing games and hanging out all weekend, and we'll be hosting a free Saturday night party, our Cape Chronicle-themed superhero masquerade, featuring a live performance by 2D6, Saker and Cliff's nerdcore band. Con on the Cob is October 6th through the 9th in Richfield, Ohio. It's a lot of fun, so we highly encourage everybody to come out and game with us. You can go to cononthecob.com for more information. Cape Chronicles, our Masks and New Generations podcast, has wrapped its first season. But fret not, because season two is premiering on October 5th with new episodes of our superhero hijinks every first and third Wednesday of the month. And stick around to the end of this episode for a new trailer. She, our Morkbork season of Fables Around the Table, has concluded. But catch the retrospective with Chelsea, Garrett, and Josh next Wednesday, September 28th. That episode will also feature an announcement of our next season. And the episode zero for that season will also land that very same day. I may or may not be involved, and I am very excited for you to hear what we have in store. Come hang out with us over at the Project Derailed Community Discord where we are always hanging out, sharing memes, and playing games. Head to projectderailed.com discord to join in on the fun. Theme song and original music by Tom Goldthwaite with additional music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to our good buddy Cliff for guesting yet again on this episode. You can follow him on the internet at the Comics Ads, and be sure to check out Cape Chronicles and his and Saker's nerdcore band 2D6, which just released their new album titled You Can't Just Have One at 2d6music.bandcamp.com. And in true MCU fashion, Squeddy the Turtle will return. The next episode and finale of Chapter 6 will land on Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. See you then. <laughs> to your knowledge, they haven't actually engaged in combat yet. Hmm. That's why you can't see them yet. They had to double move to get to the people they were going to engage with, so they have not become visible yet. But presumably they will when they attack on their next turn. Okay, so I'm going to hold my action for now. I'm going to get with about 90 feet away from the Remoraz if I'm allowed to. Okay. And I'm going to hold my action, so if that Remoraz is about to attack one of my compatriots, that's when I will take my action. Um, it does appear that everyone has moved out of its range. Okay, um... Squiddy did move up after his shots, correct? Yeah, I moved I, yeah. I moved up 10 feet to take the shot. Got it. So yeah, Squiddy's already out of its range even after it moves 10 feet again. Uh, Marco, you're already out of its range if it moves 10 feet again. So it looks like everybody has kept it a safe enough distance from it for now. And you saw what Flapwing just did, that it's not going to be possible for Kazath to loosen slack on it at this moment. Okay, um... How far am I away from Kazath? So you moved 30 feet up on your last one, we'll say. Um, so that puts you... Uh, we'll split the distance. We'll say 25 feet away from him now. Hmm. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cast Mage Armor on myself. A novel notion. <laughs> <laughs> that spell that lasts, like, the entire day? You're going to yeah. do it now. <laughs> As I remember that I have it, and I'm like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Smack myself. That, that spell that is like uh, a morning routine for every wizard ever. Marco's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing I could do <laughs> <laughs> in the 11th hour of a fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I after thinking about it, thinking, looking back, looking at uh, Kazath, 
looking at my spell options and I'm like, you know what? Let's just get prepared. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> to, to be fair, Meryl did a piss poor job of preparing us for this fight. <laughs> or Merrick. 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 Yeah. Who's Meryl? <laughs> Meryl is a member of the Void Fairy that we have not mentioned in a year. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Because this chapter has lasted that long. Uh Oh, it's the Remoraz's turn, and it moves all the way to the end of its chain. You guys do feel the heat coming off of it as as it approaches, but it yoinks on the end of its chain and snaps its jaws at you guys, but everyone is just out of range. Squiddy, it's your turn. It's the first time I felt warm since I've been on this stinking ice hunk. <laughs> hey, I'm going to move up another uh, 15 feet and take another couple shots on this Joker. Got it. That is a 25 to hit. That does hit. That's 13 damage on the first shot, and on my second, that's another 26 on the die for sh- shooting him. Ah, uh, that, that does infect it. And then that's 14 damage on that second shot. Okay. Um, He's breathing a little heavy, but uh, he's not slowing down anytime soon. Hey, I said get the fuck off my ship, you fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. His eyes are a little bit wide at, like, suddenly Ravnus, like, basically right in his face. Her closing the gap incredibly fast, putting him clearly on his heels. He is going to reach over off to the side, like, still squared off against Ravnus with his axe in his hand. Uh, His eyes are going to dart to the side, and he's going to reach out and pull a different lever on the panel. The entire ship shakes. You hear the Rimuraz let out a roar that almost sounds like it's in pain as the mechanisms that are kind of attached to the Remoraz and in the ceiling kind of flex and you see water and ice begin kind of moving through these like pipes um, above it and you see steam starting to leak from some places and the mechanisms in the ceiling uh, begin to move and creak and you see all the doors on the starboard side of the ship open and the oars extend outward immediately digging into snow and ice and the entire ship tilts about 10 degrees to the port and I need everybody to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, that is a 23. Mine is an 18. Mine's a three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting to last just in case uh, because I was fine with like taking whatever damage. I can't save that, so I'm going to use my flash of genius on myself to make my 12 a 16. Wow. Nice. <laughs> the DC was 14. So I think... Flapwing is the only one that failed, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Flapwing, you fall prone and okay. immediately slide all the way to the port side of the ship, kind of crashing into uh, the mechanisms a little bit. You can make an acrobatic saving throw to kind of brace yourself um, yeah. or to land in a way that doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> Okie dokie. Uh, let's see. That's a 12. A 12? It helps a little bit. You, you kind of like try to like... Uh, drag one hand behind to like rotate yourself so you're almost in like a, a natural okay. like doar penguin belly yeah. slide. Strike again. But you only get into position just in time for you to smack face first into the <laughs> okay. wall. You do still take two points of damage. Could have been worse. Uh, but yeah, 10 degree slope does not sound like a lot. It is a lot. All the terrain in here is now rough terrain, meaning you have to move at half speed or have to make an acrobatics check to avoid falling. Some of Kazath's men do fall and... Ezerath and Rinzar are both fine. Again, don't monk shit. And uh, you hear Merrick yell, but you can't see him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the fuck ups strike again. And beyond that, you can't make out anything else. Okay. Um, and then Kazath is going to poof away in a puff of mist. God damn it. 
and you see him appear 30 feet back, now standing behind the helm that has Heron in it. Hey, that's my shtick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it is now your ally's turn. Rinzar and Ezerath continue to do some punchy punches. Um, and you do see one of the guards go down. You see Roxana appear out of nowhere, mid-swing with her huge axe, cutting a huge gash across another guard who winces and recoils backwards in pain and almost loses his footing. Merrick appears as he swings his club at one of the guards that fell and slid all the way to the wall, since they're both down there. (laughs) And Brohane appears, seated in the back of Ira, which had no trouble continuing to cling to the now slanted floor, and uh, he's going to throw some um, alchemist fire at one of the guards and you're going to see Ira lunge forward at another one and drive its pincers into it. All right, Ravnus. Kazath is now 30 feet away from you on the other side of the chair, which is like the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones, uh, that size. Right. But uh, the back of the chair is kind of formed into this cage that Heron is in. He looks beat up. He looks rough, but his eyes are kind of wide and scared as he's like watching the fight. Okay. Um, she's going to, um, if she can get there in 30 feet, run after him and uh, swing again. Yeah. So your movement is halved because the ground is slanted, but you can make an acrobatics check to try and get there anyway, but you would risk falling. Uh, that would be acrobatics, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pretty good at that. Um, 13 and 7 is a dirty 20. Yeah, you do it. Okay. It has a little bit of a funhouse effect because like, you know, because most everything is like bolted to the ground. So nothing really moved except everybody is now standing at a weird like 10 degree angle. (laughs) (laughs) Most everybody. So it is a little bit mind bending, but you manage to lean with the slant of the ground and keep your footing as you rush over to Kazath, kind of ducking around the helm that he has hidden himself behind and you can make your attacks. Oh, shit. So I did roll with advantage, um, and I got two natural ones. Ooh. Oh, oh. oh, no. The yeah. odds of that are, I think, what, one in 400? Yeah, 20 times sure. 20. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, I'm trying. To... Okay, so something bad has to happen. I think there's no way around yeah, that. Yeah, that, that sounds right. What do I want to do? Okay, I think your your swing throws you off balance. You kept your footing all the way over here, but swinging your sword, swinging uh, extra spect at Kazav kind of throws you off kilter. And go ahead and make just a, a dexterity saving. That is a lot better. 16. 16. Yes. So you managed to stay upright, but the way you do it is you have to reach out and steady yourself on the helm. Okay. And the minute you touch the helm, Uh-oh. you feel this tingly, almost pins and needles-like feeling go across your entire body. And the thought running through your mind when you grabbed it was you were trying to not fall onto the ground. You were trying to stay up. And it's almost like that thought is involuntarily channeled through your hand into the chair and you feel the entire ship shudder and you hear Heron let out a scream as he takes 12 points of necrotic damage no! And Nicholas! You, see, you were uh, the villain all along. <laughs> you see his skin goes pale, and like the fullness of his cheeks kind of recedes as his, it was a little bit gaunt. Um, he seems fine. After that just instant, he, he's breathing heavy. I'd appreciate it if you didn't do that again. The entire ship is now shuddering and appears to be lifting off. Um, Kazath is going to smirk at you. Huh. Save me the trouble. 
Do you just want to fly us all the way home then? He says with a sneer. Um, you do have another attack. Yeah. So she is going to glare at him and let out a yell as she swings again. That's pretty good. 17 and 9 is 26. That does hit him. Okay, that is uh, 16 damage and another one for my psionic, so 17 total. The big hit. Nice. Yeah, he recoils backwards and just, ugh, as a splatter of blood hits the ground and begins running with the slope of the planks. And he, he glares at you and grips his axe. Um, all right, Flapwing. Excuse me. Um, I will do no such thing. No, please. Uh, <laughs> so I'm prone, but yes. honestly, there's no reason for me to get up so long as is everyone still in my field of vision? Yeah. You, so you are a little bit like kind of tingled in like the mechanisms of like the oars on this side of the ship, um, the ones that did not extend. So they're still like folded up inside these like retractable doors, mm. but it does actually give you like half cover. Okay. Uh, blessing in disguise. Um, I'm going to uh, take some pot shots, I guess. Is there any obvious way to damage the the um, life jammer helm? So you can try shooting it like any other object but in your experience magic objects are more yeah. resilient yeah right um and you don't know if just straight up damaging it um would actually deactivate it um and given the nature of it you don't even know if that that may even harm heron in some way sure uh okay let's just do some uh some shots at kazathan sure uh okay from behind my cover that is a 21 that does hit him cool for Hey, four damage. Uh, <laughs> Death by then, a million cuts. Uh, <laughs> and then I've got an extra attack, so I'll do my extra sure. attack, which I forgot last round. Yep. Uh, and that's a 22 for seven damage. Are you adding your uh, dexterity bonus pew, to pew, those? Six plus one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, not... gotta, you gotta start doing yoga and like kind of increase your deck stat. Listen, somehow. man, <laughs> fucking optimized characters are for losers. It's <laughs> not a cool thing to do. You want to be like a, just some random jerk. That's the fun part about D&D. Can confirm. <laughs> Flapwing Rockhopper, some random jerk. <laughs> Why have your character be good at everything when they could be awful at everything? <laughs> yeah, they could be good at nothing. It's great. Nobody what is power I, fantasy? If I just aim for a C average the whole time, People are impressed a lot, but they're never disappointed. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a rare glimpse into like the psyche of Flapwang. Uh, you're getting a glimpse into the psyche of Saker. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, it translates a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Those are, uh, I think, 10 points total, if I remember correctly. Uh, four and seven. Do not insult me. That is 11 Sorry. points of damage. 11 points. All of this witty banter meant I forgot a single digit number. God. <laughs> okay, the bad guys now have more targets to hit, and they're kind of shocked and surprised that four guys just appear out of nowhere in front of them, uh, so they're going to attempt to defend themselves. Uh, oh, they're going to do pretty good this round. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> for them. Uh, Merrick gets clubbed in the face. 
Uh, and his nose starts bleeding and you hear him curse that echoes through the chamber. And then you see uh, Roxana takes a pretty nasty hit, but nothing compared to the hit she took earlier. Rinzar does get clipped with a sword, but he's still good for the most part. Ezerath just completely avoids getting hit, as does Brohane. All right, that puts us back to the top with Marco. Okay, so how close am I to the life-jamming helm, and how close is Kazath to the life-jamming helm? Okay, so you were about 25 feet from Kazath before, and now Kazath has bamped 30 feet back, so he's now 45 feet away from you. The spell-jamming helm is 5 feet closer, so 40. Okay, um, let's see. I'm going to take my 30 feet of movement to get close to the life-jamming helm. Can I make, like, an arcana check to see if I can figure out how to turn this thing off? How to get, like, Heron out of this thing? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, I got a dirty 20. So it's clear now that Kazath was able to finish installing it in the time it took for you guys to get here. So short of physically removing it from the deck of the ship, getting Heron out of it would be the easiest way to deactivate it. The good news is, is that the actual like gibbet part of the helm just appears to be like a normal cage Mm -hmm. that there's a door on the backside that seems to be locked shut. Okay. Um, All right. With that knowledge in hand, um, I'm basically going to double move to get to that location, but that would be my my action. Yeah, you do get over there and the door to the cage is actually like right where Kazath and Ravnus are fighting. Okay. They're like, they're right next to the helm. Okay, Ravnus, protect me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Ravnus, you're standing on the uphill side of the helm and Marco approaches from the downhill side. So you do need to make an acrobatics check to move at your full speed. Oh, okay. I'm not, uh, because that's going to be a... Hold on a second. Okay, that's a spicy eight. Eight? So close, but not quite. (laughs) So I will say that you get halfway there and fall prone. Okay. And slide down to the bottom. So that puts you still like 30 feet away. That did only use one of your movement, so you can try to use your other movement to climb back up and go there. Um, But you'll have to make another check to avoid doing it without falling. Alternatively, you can move at half speed to at least get um, halfway there. Okay, actually, um, can I just misty step my way over there? Yeah, (laughs) now that you're this close, (laughs) yes, you absolutely can. Then yeah, well, yep, just boop, boom. Yeah, isn't misty step a bonus action? One bonus action, you are correct. Yeah, so you still have your action when you get here. Okay, so I'm going to look at the door and just sort of like sigh. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know. Wait a minute. (laughs) Can I misty step in the cage? Um, ooh. So it is a gibbet, which means the cage is basically just big enough for one person. Um, and technically it would be an occupied space. Okay. So rules is written no. Yeah. But oh. if you wanted to try fuckery, <laughs> I would allow it with a spell casting check. Um, I don't think I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. Okay. I don't know. I'll try to figure out a way to get open the door, like looking at this thing, like how do I... Um, and then I'll just try to slide a hand and be like, well, I've never tried lock picking before and just... Use hair clips, I guess. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait. No, shit. I just cast a spell. Fuck. Yeah. Uh... Damn it. I was going to reduce the size of the door like I did the last one, but mm. I have mm. to wait till next turn. You um, the, Like you did in that dream that was not your daydream, so <laughs> Marco doesn't even remember it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but regardless... Hey, don't worry about it. If you can't pick the lock, I got stuff. I can get it open. You are standing right next to Ravnus and Kazath now. 
Um, closer to Kazath than Ravnus, actually. Can I just try to hit him with my fucking quarterstaff? Yeah. <laughs> Bonk. That's a nat 20. Ooh. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> Yeah. Regan fucking kills him with a <laughs> Actually, hold on a second. How, how are we doing the, the crit damage? Because I've never crit before with a weapon in this game. I mean, it works the same as if you crit on like a spell attack, but we know that Marco only uses AoEs. So, yes. uh, <laughs> so it's you roll the dice twice. Okay, that's what I was thinking. And you take the bonus once. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hey! All right, so that is an 11 minus one, so 10. <laughs> okay, I minus rolled a, one. I rolled a six <laughs> and a five. <laughs> Fucking adorable. <laughs> so yeah, Ravnus, you're standing there right next to the helm and you just got done hitting Kazath and suddenly you see from behind Kazath a puff of mist and then Kazath recoils and as he recoils forward, you see Marco standing there with his stick in hand <laughs> that just bonked Kazath on the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, right after he's like, Ravnus, protect me. <laughs> <laughs> bonk. <Just> bonk. <laughs> Go to horny jail. <laughs> Trying to figure in like the span of two seconds, can I open the door? I can't open the door. Can I shrink the door? I just use a spell. Um, um, wham. <laughs> uh-huh. And just crane him. Because <laughs> that, like, between all of this, like, the hits that he's taken between Squiddy's fucking laser beams and <laughs> Ravnus's hits and Marco's bonk, he's, like, he still has a lot of fight in him, but he's looking pretty hurt. Good. The Remerez is going to scream, but otherwise can't do anything as it pulls against its chains. Squiddy, it's your turn. Yeah, so one of my things that my little screwdriver can do is... Uh, For eight hours, I get to have use of a cantrip that I don't know from any class list. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I'm going to do, I'm going to use 30 feet of my 35, uh, take 15 of it since it's difficult terrain. And as I'm heading over that way, I'm shouting out like, Hey, any of you jamokes who want to follow a leader who's not going to be dead within the next minute, uh, throw down your weapons or start attacking this fucking jack off. Flapwing confused throws down his weapon. (laughs) <laughs> so does Merrick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you shouting to them or are you using like an ability? No, I'm uh this is just shouting at them. Make a persuasion check with disadvantage? Sure. Well, the good die roll was a 19 just on the die. Mm-hmm. But the lower one was a 12 on the die, so 17. It's still not shabby, but these guys are currently fighting for their lives can it be the just a regular check because they saw us kick his ass before and were kind of maybe turned by that no unfortunately not (laughs) (laughs) nicholas <laughs> I like the the optimism of the world you think this is, where you know, in the middle of a fight, like one guy makes one point of like, hey, maybe you shouldn't fight us after the fight's going, and just everyone just is super reasonable, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> fuck that Kazath guy. Um, but no, this is not the world we live in. <laughs> See, I was meaning more that I think that it would be more likely that we're the winning party. Uh, yeah, but I don't think they're able to make that cost benefit analysis in the moment right now. Uh, all right grumble grumble (laughs) uh i mean we could continue to haggle (laughs) uh yeah we'll move on (laughs) 
Uh, the okay. thing I wanted to do isn't going to let me just get the cantrip I wanted and cast it now. So I'm just going to shoot him. Got it. As that puts because moving the 15 feet forward puts me back in range for my weapon. Got it. And you know what? I'm going to use my bonus action to call out my uh, little homunculus parrot coral to give me the help action. Right, don't miss. Uh, that is a 20, 25. That does it. Um, I, I do actually imagine uh, the, this, the help action is Coral flying over and like flying around Kazaz's head as a distraction. Mm-hmm. That shot's 17 damage. Jesus fuck. And then for second attack, uh, that's 18 to hit. That misses, actually. Ravnus, as you're fighting him, you almost smell like this, like, electronic fire ozone smell as there's two flashes of green light as you see two more of these just infinitely long rays just whiz past you. He only gets zapped once, and then the other one flies over his shoulder. And he winces hard again. His eyes are getting a little bit wide, and, like, he's starting to look a little panicked. Okay. Hey, that was a warning shot to get the fuck off my ship. (laughs) All right. So the allies are going to continue to uh, whittle away at these guards. You know what, Squiddy? One of them does, in fact, look like he might be listening to what you shouted. But before he has time to really react, Roxana just lops off his head. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Hey, you're taking out my potential crew here. (laughs) What? What did you say? Never mind. You're doing great. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there more blows are exchanged. Um, it looks like these guards are not too tough so that your allies are not having that much trouble with them. Because his eyes are going to dart back and forth almost as if he's like considering running. But he locks eyes with you and furrows his brow and says, no, this ends here. And he's going to attack you. With disadvantage. With disadvantage. Correct. Thank you for reminding me. So he's going to attack twice with his giant magic axe. Disadvantage. That's still going to be a dirty 20 to hit. No. Jesus. Fuck. Wow. Oh, yeah, because your your magic armor and your shield. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, he does critical on his uh, second attack. Oh, no. Disadvantage. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, then he, then he just totally misses. Nice. Thank you, Tanner. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So um, he attacks and it just ricochets off your armor, but it leaves you kind of open and he is able to carry his axe around in an arc and bring it straight down on your exposed neck. But you almost enter bullet time and you see the attack coming and you're able to shift almost supernaturally fast to get your shield up in time to block it. Um, and his eyes go even wider as clearly you are more than he bargained for. Nice. It is now your turn. All right, she's going to swing at him. Uh, Neither of those are very good. They won't hit. Okay, even with advantage? Yeah, the highest one was a five with advantage. Jesus, Um, (laughs) not your round. (laughs) But for the second one, uh, that's a 21. That does hit. Okay, I just can't get the first one. The second one keeps doing it, not the first. Let's see, five and seven is 12, plus an additional four psionic, so 16. 16. (laughs) Ravnus, how do you want to do this? Uh, (laughs) 
Let's go. He was a chump. Um, so she is, um, <laughs> oh shit. Um, her sword, like, you know, she, like, misses the, the first attack as they're still, like, sort of stumbling around on this, like, very uneven ground and everything's rumbling because they're going up and everything. Um, and she, like, looks at him with this, like, intensity in her eyes and then her sword, uh, glows a little brighter with its psionic energy and she just plunges it into his chest, like, breaking through his armor and, uh, kills him. You just find that weak point, driving the sword straight through, impaling him all the way to the hilt. And burst of purple light out his back that almost alights in his eyes, almost in this weird supernatural psionic way. And he coughs up blood. And as he's shocked and surprised, it's taking a second for him to process what, what's happened. He looks up to you and, Resicus, when, when you see Captain Yastrara and... She will find you. Tell her I fought well. Yeah, I think she just sort of, in so much as there's a cinematic moment here, just glares down at him. And his eyes roll back in his head as he slumps backwards and just slides off your sword. (laughs) Hey, you didn't fight that well, you dipshit. (laughs) Get the fuck off my ship. With that, one of the guards happens to like double take over his shoulder and see Kazath has fallen. And then just like immediately as like Ezerath is going to punch him in the face, throw down his sword and throw up his hands real fast. He's like, ah, ah, I surrender. And then the <laughs> other five remaining <laughs> do the same. Um, it appears seven of them have fallen to your companions. I'm going to need to find a bigger crew here. It does feel like the, the ship is still like kind of vibrating. You see the, the Remoraz still like uh, fighting against its chains. The grade, the angle of the floor is leveling out um, because it does appear that with that burst of necrotic energy that got sucked out of Heron, the ship is starting to lift off. Uh, Ravnus will look at Marco. I just bumped it and I think I accidentally commanded it to fly. How do we um, land it and get Heron out? One one second, I'm trying to figure that out. I kind of quickly run over and I'm using an action to turn my screwdriver into a set of thieves tools. And Mm -hmm. I would like to uh, make a tool check to pick this lock. Sure. Yeah, go ahead and roll that. Yeah, you guys see Squiddy uh, lumber over, uh, pulling out this screwdriver that uh, as he twists the handle, the thing like splits in two pieces and the actual like shaft of the the screwdriver kind of splits into several kind of articulated tiny implements designed to kind of fit into the lock and manipulate the tumblers. Ooh, that is a 22. Yeah, easy. Um, It's like this thing was the key made for the lock. So pop that off, get the door open. Yeah, as soon as the door opens and it opens with a a sickening like creak and Heron almost collapses out of it in front of you and he just goes, thank you, thank you. That lunatic would have killed me. Hey, don't worry about it. We got you. No worries. Um, and with that, you guys all feel a, a lurch in your stomach, and then everybody needs to make a dexterity saving. <laughs> mm. Oh, shit. It's 15. <laughs> Five. Uh, 15. Okay. Um, well, we'll just do it this way. If you got less than a 10, you take three points of bludgeoning damage and fall prone um, as the ship kind of plummeted about 20 feet out of the air. Um, back down into the snow. I'm still up. 
luckily. I'm still up. Still up. <laughs> All good. Merrick had only just gotten to his feet and falls back down. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Merrick. Uh, wait, it, it's over? I, are, are we good? Is everybody okay? We still need to find something to do with the Rimaraz, but beyond that, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ravnus, your sword ignited with purple light when you killed Kazath, because you were channeling your psionic energy through it. It has not stopped glowing. She sort of shakes it. And uh, when it, I assume, doesn't stop glowing again, she's like, I think we have a problem. Marco, you hear coming from the uh, sending stone in your pocket, Val's voice. Marco, I'm right above the location you described. Uh, Are you in that giant ship? Yes. Yes, we are. Um... We are, um, I'll explain this later. Um, we're on our way. All right. I'm setting the Voidfarer down just outside of this giant plaza thing. Um, Val, is there anything outside right now? I don't see anything. Why? Um, you never know what could be out there. We'll be there shortly. (laughs) I look over to the others and just say, I think it's time to go. So the only natural way out of this hold is up the stairs you came down through, which is past the Remoraz. But thankfully, now that the ore doors are open on the starboard side of the ship, you can go out that way without having to go past the creature. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm heading out that way. Yeah. You guys all clamber out. The bracing cold hits you immediately. You do not see anything approaching yet, but you see the, the bases of the tower in all the four cardinal directions um, with the various ruined buildings around with the viaducts and bridges and uh, various connecting elements of this layered tiered city filling this entire canyon from the one end of the city all the way to this massive dam down on the other end. The network of tunnels that you've been using to navigate to avoid the detection of dragons this entire time. If there's mind flares about, they can be coming at you from any direction and you wouldn't see them until they're right on top of you. Okay. Um... Where's, um, can we see Val's ship? Yes. From here, you see that the Voidfarer has set itself down directly southwest of the Grand Quadrivium, kind of between the southmost and westmost of the towers. So it's just up a little bit of a hill, and you see that they're lowering a ramp from the deck down to the snowbank. Okay. Um, I'm going to just start running for it, and, uh, probably about halfway through, I'm probably going to cast Far Step on myself and just, like, blink myself to the ship. Sure. I, I assume everyone is doing the same? Yeah. Yeah. I am running with the folks that surrendered. Like, hey, so you guys uh, you guys actually looking to uh, join a crew or what? Do you, what's your deal? Uh, well, uh, we don't have any plans right now. Um, are we, are we able to, like, go with you guys? Because that was, like, really the only reason we were following Kazath. And how many of them are there right there's now? There's only five of are, them. There's only five? <laughs> so out of the whole gangs and factions and everything there's just five left <laughs> between the one oh so no there's more because there there was more that you left alive above yeah so so between the people above deck and the people you save below there are eight total survivors i got a job that's gonna pay real well and i could use some uh, help with it jogging to keep up with everybody and the one that's talking to you which is a scraggly looking uh half elf you can see that like the tips of his slightly pointed ears have darkened with frostbite he says well, I think I speak for all of us. I say, you know, that sounds good to us. Anything, anywhere is better than here. Wherever we go, it's going to be a hell of a lot less cold. I'll tell you that right now. Lead the way, Captain. 
I suggest yeah. expediency. <laughs> I'm a turtle. What do you want from me? <laughs> That's not a turtle joke. <laughs> no, it's physiology. <laughs> okay, you guys uh, get up um, the uh, the grade and get to the the ramp leading up onto the deck. Um, and as you are running up onto the deck, Ravnus, your the sword does slowly fade. Okay. It seems that you've happened to move away from wherever this threat is coming from. Uh, she looks sort of frustrated by that, but continues to go. Mm -hmm. You see Val and Elmsworth are standing on the deck waiting, uh, and a handful of other crew members that have helped extend down the ramp. And as soon as you guys all get up onto the deck, they be immediately begin pulling it up. Um, Val's going to look at you, Marco. Did you find everything you were looking for? That and then some. Um, valuable information, but we should probably get off of this planet. She'll nod, and uh, she kind of like looks up into the side and says, Salon, take us off. And the ship lurches as soon as they have the ramp pulled up and begins pulling up out of the canyon. Um, the towers and spires of this library city of Lyceum Aconis begin to descend. And as you pull your way up above the lip of the canyon, you can actually see further than you could see in a while. It does seem that a break in the storms has come at just the right time. In fact, you can see the tail end of the blizzard moving off on the one horizon, and you can see another one on the way coming the other direction you kind of slip right between these two storm cells as you begin leaving this planet behind marco ravnus and flapwing as you look down at the canyon filled with this city set in the snowscape you see a purple explosion happen down below uh -oh. and the dam breaks and water begins pouring out you guys are now hundreds of feet above the city, and the water rushes through the canyon, taking out buildings that stood for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, wiping everything away. And by the time the tidal wave of the dam break reaches the one end of the city, it's already begun starting to freeze near the dam as it starts to work its way over. Something is sealing the city in, so whatever information is still there cannot be found. Oh, and also Val and none of the crew notice. Of course. As the ship ascends even further, putting the planet truly behind you now, you can see the entire disk of the planet, the city now long lost behind you. Val is going to say, so I see you've made some friends. Hey, what's going on, Cap? Long time no see. I'm here because things didn't quite go right, but uh, I'm looking to take these folks on as a, as a new crew. We've made some accommodations, but it's going to stress some resources, but we'll make it work. No, no, I, I got this helm here. This uh, It's going to let me uh, get out and I can take all these folks with me. Oh. And then we'll be out of your hair. Perfect then. Um, here, actually, I, I can make this easy so that we don't strain anything. Um, and Marco quickly like starts to jot down his name and like Hall of the Seekers Nadir Anchorage and says, here, contact me here. Um, I have some questions about everything that we saw down there, um, but we can do that in our own time, okay? Hey, yeah, that sounds good. This is actually uh, where I'm going to be heading because I kind of need to let them know that uh, I wasn't able to find any of them Nothics that they was looking for. Speaking of... Uh, Gotten any ideas where there might be, like, more of those kind of hanging out or any kind of leads that might get it? Because, uh, listen, I don't want to go back down there and deal with all that nonsense. Not much left down there, but, um, uh, what I know... You can make an Arcana check, Marco. Okay. Um, that's a 14. 
Yeah, really any repositories of Kratorian knowledge may be a candidate for potentially these things lurking about. In fact, uh, you know that there is a city on the Vizier that may be a prime candidate for this. In fact, that's how you know how to get back to Archon Nasticia without going through the storm again when you eventually decide to report back to her, because she said that you can teleport from the ruins of that city to her lair. But uh, that city being the capital of Vizier likely will have repositories of knowledge that could potentially attract Nothics. Yes, I'm one, uh, do you, are you familiar with the planet Vizier? I mean, I heard of it, but uh, I'm sure that the folks uh, that I'm working for will have a lot more uh, insight into it. Yeah, it orbits the Fat King. It's a, it's a great set of names, really. Um, but there there's a repository there that could potentially attract a Nothic. I think that would be your best bet in terms of um, searching for one. That that would be a good place to start. Hey, that sounds good. I appreciate all the I appreciate all the help, Marco. Oh yes, of, of, of course. And thank you for uh, assisting us with all of that uh, unpleasantness down there. Hey, you know what? I wanted that ship because it had a lot of room for storage, but I mean, I'm gonna get paid enough from this job that be able to get a good enough ship to get going on anyway, especially for, you know, the size of the crew that we got right now. Hey, you know, uh, glass half full, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm just happy that I'm off that fucking frozen rock. Me too. It feels like it's been a year. <laughs> I go in and offer a handshake for Marco. I take, I, I shake it back in return. Said it was a pleasure talking with you, and you have no idea how much you actually assisted me down there. Hey, you know what? I just hope that, uh, you know, one day if we run into each other again, we'll be able to help each other out like this. I have no doubt, but. Good luck out there, okay? I appreciate everything. Yeah, good luck to y'all too. You, uh, y'all seem like a good crew that works well together. So, nice to see that there's not a whole bunch of nonsense going on. I dealt with a lot of that on my dad's ship when I was there. That's why I left. Gives a nonsense. Well, we're we're dysfunctionally functional. (laughs) Hey, sometimes that's all you can ask for. And I think following that, you know, Squeedy turns around and is like, all right, you chumps, get together. We got to get going. Yep. Already enjoying the warmer temperatures of the deck of the Voidfarer as it's left this frozen world behind. They kind of, despite their wounds that they've sustained from the people that they are now sharing a ship with, uh, seem to be in pretty good spirits. And they very enthusiastically gather around for whatever it is you're going to do. Aaron is going to stand next to Marco. If it's all the same to you, I think I'm going to give up the spacefaring life and settle down, I think. Hey, yeah, you, uh... You have fun there, and uh, glad you didn't uh, end up getting uh, drained like some kind of like weird vampire thing from that ship. That would have been uh, that would have sucked. Me too. I don't know where Kazath found that thing down there. It seems like there's a lot down there that's uh, intending to hurt folks more than it helps. But what do I know? I'm just mm-hmm. a turtle. <laughs> With that, do you activate your helm? Yep, I activate the helm and boop back to Nadir Anchorage. Nadir Anchorage being a place you are intimately familiar, um, you have no trouble doing so with your eight new crew members. Now for the spinoff series, The Adventures of Squiddy. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for a potential interlude. Ooh. Ooh.
So after they depart, Val is going to come back to Marco and says, oh, um, one other thing. Shortly before we heard from you, just yesterday, in fact, we found a stowaway, if you can believe that. Stowaway? Someone who claims to know you. I don't know many people. We've thrown her in the brig for now. Um, not that we don't distrust her, but she did appear on the deck of the ship out of nowhere, and um, I didn't want to take any chances. If you can verify her identity, we will let her go. Um, so at first, like, Marco looks completely oblivious. Um, he's like, huh, who the hell would I even know? I guess there's the... <laughs> Everyone I know is here. <laughs> and then it clicks all of a sudden. <laughs> and then Marco suddenly just runs past Val and runs down the stairs. Uh-huh. Yeah, you run down. Uh, do you guys follow? Yeah. Yeah. Val follows as well, like, hastily getting the keys out, because it, it appears like <laughs> Marco knows who this is. And you go down and open the door to the brig. And standing there, kind of pacing about on the other side, um, you see a woman with dark hair. She looks a little different than you remember her, Marco. She has shaved her head on the one side in like an undercut type fashion. Um, and it appears that she has like markings on that side of her face. They look like tattoos at first, kind of encircling her eye from like her brow around to her cheekbone. Um, but as you get a closer look, they almost look like they formed naturally like a birthmark in, in almost like a concentric, like kind of striped pattern. And as she looks at you, you see that that eye is also changed. It's a bright amber yellow iris with like a dark ring around it, uh, like a tiger eye, which almost like the the pattern around her eye resembles like the tiger stripes that would be around a tiger's eye. But it is Hannah. Um, and she sees you and her eyes go wide and she smiles. I just like literally like rip the door open and like run. Val un hastily unlocks it for you. <laughs> And yeah, I just run in and just embrace her. And I mean, I'm like crying. So uh, as you approach her, she she does kind of like tense up and holds out a hand to like hold you back for a second. She punches you in the face and then hugs you. <laughs> yeah, he, he just he's crying as he's holding on to her. It doesn't matter. There's a black eye. <laughs> and she just says in your ear, I knew you were out there somewhere. That's where we'll pick up next time. Yeah. There's your just desserts. <laughs> Finally, Marco gets what's coming to him. <laughs> While the Voidfarer is now long out of the atmosphere of Adilfos, the rushing water of the bursted dam tears its way through the city of Lyceum Aconis, sending mist up into the air. 
which has already frozen into a light flurry of snow. A small white furry paw grasps the edge of the canyon, and an owlbear cub pulls themselves up to safety, followed by a second, which promptly tackles the first, rolling in the snow happily. And lastly, their mother, lumbering up to the safety of the frozen tundra above, nestling her babies. As they begin to lumber across the snow to seek cover for the oncoming snowstorm, movement catches the mother's eye, who peeks up to look at it. A wicked-looking ship rises from the ice that was once the reservoir. Ice chunks and frost falling off of its helix shell. The illithid nautiloid rising above the snowscape. A roar rings out as a struggling, wounded adult white dragon attempts to free itself from the nautiloid's tentacles to no avail. The illithid ship rises higher and higher before warping away dragon in tow. Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release Miss Terry, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Remix, use the dragon filter that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T-posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out Season 2 of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Thunder crackles against a cloud-covered night, backlighting an ever-growing tower that pulsates and squirms. The stench of thick, dead blood from the rotting ground beneath your feet screams with the pain of every weapon rended from the grisly warriors who've met their end here. The earth quakes again as a deafening roar echoes from the slick meat tower in front of you. She calls. She is waiting. You see and hear this terrible, like, cracking of bone and rending of flesh as his form just sort of shifts and twists. Uh, maybe he's, like, juggling or something. Maybe he's found some, like, dismembered, um, body parts and he's, he's using that as a distraction. Galgenbeck, what a nice city. The rotten flesh doesn't stink quite as much there. Rejoice! The fall of humanity comes. But has all of the sickness been for nothing? Find out on Fables Around the Table, she. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know yeah. of them. Do you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely. 
didn't know at all the people. That was crazy. Holy fuck, Mike Mitchell. Why? Well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies. Justin McElroy. Grab your tongue. Grab your tongue, and I want you to say Our "born tongue. on a pirate ship." Born on a pirate ship. You were born on a pile of shit, and many more. So check it out. But also, if you don't like bare naked ladies, we talk about them probably like a third of the time. So. Uh, yes. That's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We could make a board game about it. ProjectDerailed.com